0: This is Apartment 303.
1: Didn't they say 304? No, 303. I wrote it down twice.
0: Apartment 303, which I've definitely heard of.
1: Greetings, human beings, and welcome back to Apartment 303, a podcast for community fans. My name is Dave, and alongside my co-host, Dan, we are here every month to discuss all things community, each and every layer of the show, and why we love it so much. On today's episode, Dan and I are going to be discussing the writer's strike, the actor's strike, the new studio, and our favorite community Halloween costumes. Before we get to all of that though, Dan, as always, how have you been and what have you been up to?
0: Oh, I have just been busy working as much as I can, trying to get all that stuff out of the way, following all these strikes and whatnot for clarification i don't know if i ever disclosed this earlier on i am a non-union you know writer and actor so basically i there's so many weird rules that are like kind of nebulous if you don't really know a whole lot about these things and suffice it to say i have not and will be not crossing any picket lines we are talking about community which is you know this is our bread and butter this is our passion and we're we're stand firmly with the writers and the actors well, and you know, the writers have reached their agreement. So now we're just standing firmly with the actors as they're continuing to look for their resolution from the AMPTP. How are you doing over there? How's the, the... We're talking about the studio and the move. How are things for you? Yeah. So
1: when we last left off, our our most recent episode of Apartment 303, when we were discussing our birthday episodes, that was the last episode in the Lexington studio. And since then, uh, I have moved across the country, not not all the way to your time zone, but but very close um, out here in Colorado. And I'm happy to report that this is the first episode here in the Denver studio. And uh, something else I was really excited about and had no idea until I moved here that this was even a thing. I think I actually sent you a really goofy, kind of giddy text message when I figured it out. But uh, so out here in Denver, we have uh, two area codes kind of more of the western downtown area toward the mountains is 720, and eastern Denver, Aurora, kind of the airport area where I'm living, is the 303 area code. Uh, and I, I swear I didn't move across the country just for that. <laughs> but it does work It does work out pretty well. Uh, so obviously I'm, I'm very excited to be building the studio out here in, in the real 303. And it made me actually wonder... If that could have played a part in the writers deciding to choose that number for Troy and Abed's apartment,
0: that, um, that would be an interesting conversation. Only because I don't, I don't know if they really leaned into the Colorado aspect until later seasons. So it'd be interesting if it was early in season three that they were already teasing that out. Because I, I feel like they, you don't get actual audio confirmation until. I don't know if it's even four, like five or yeah, six. It's, it's it's pr- yeah, it's pretty late. thin. Uh, yeah.
1: Definitely some, some backwards wish casting there, but it would have been remiss to not not at least bring up uh, the possibility of that.
0: Totally, totally fair.
1: So there's still a lot of work to do uh, here in the studio. Um, I'm not sure if you can already tell the difference in the acoustics, and you know, obviously by the time this gets produced, maybe there won't be a difference, but uh, still a lot of work to do out here. Actually not getting my desk until tomorrow, Uh, so kind of working off an old kitchen table, but excited to do it, excited to be out here in the new studio, in the 303, talking to you about the seasonal stuff, Uh, some some Halloween costume shenanigans, but kind of like you already mentioned insofar as what you've been up to. Let's go ahead and get into some of the strike talk, because the last couple times we discussed current events on this podcast regarding strikes... There wasn't really any good news to report, and there wasn't really any any good news on the foreseeable horizon. It seems like at the very least something has changed. So, what's what's the latest with the writers' strike? Let's let's start with the writers.
0: So that is officially over. I think it ended where it's October twenty third. It ended beginning of October. I couldn't. I don't have the date right in front of me immediately. However, it was over a hundred days. They were on strike. And when the when all was said and done, when the dust was settled, after the WGA and the AMPTP agreed on a new contract going forward, the WGA pretty much got almost everything that they were asking for. So it was definitely a win for them. AMTPTP put out a whole lot of misinformation. They were trying to sow discourse and trying to sow seeds of doubt throughout the writers. And the writers just held strong. The communication was amazing. The leadership from them was amazing. And even the things that they got like, because one of the sticking points we talked about earlier was AI, even that one to where there was such a massive gap between the writers and the studios, they were even able to find an agreement that It's there's a lot of legal speak, but more or less what that agreement says that the writers have the right to challenge the studios at a further date since they couldn't find a common ground to put it in writing. It is basically saying that we will cross this bridge again when we come to it if we feel that this needs to be addressed again. But outside of that, they got their pay increases. They got minimum staff rooms. They got the thing that I was shocked that they got that I never thought was going to happen that you might find interesting was they will actually have access to the real streaming numbers from streaming services because that was always one of the arguments where it was how do you do residuals on streaming because the numbers weren't available to literally anyone and that's something streaming services will now legally have to disclose in order to pay their writers properly so you can I I'm going to say this man's name now and I'll probably say it again at the end. Uh, one of my favorite resources is a guy on YouTube named Dan Merle who does amazing summation videos. He kind of does it once every month or so. As the strike was going on, he did one for the resolution. He also has one for the ongoing SAG strike, which I'll get into in a minute. But yeah, that's an amazing. He does like 20, 25, 30 minute ish videos, and he gets you all caught up on where everyone is. So that's a lot of where i've been getting my information now since i've been busier with regular work and haven't been able to follow it as much but suffice it to say the writer strike is over it ended i think technically it ended right before the fourth quarter was about to begin like the fiscal year And so that was something that they were the rumor was the studios were like, oh, crap, we've already lost X number of dollars, so much more money. If this goes into the next quarter, we're going to be looking at even more of a losses as and, you know, this is something we talked about in one of the last episodes where they were making more. They were losing more money than the writers were asking for. Like that was the cut and dry where like so many things have been shut down, whereas if they would have just given the writers what they wanted, they would have been fine. And they, they were always going to be fine, it was just a matter of how much power they wanted to throw around.
1: So it sounds like pretty good news all around for the writers, certainly mm-hmm. considering where we started and the distance that was covered, even since the last time you and I discussed it. Uh, but it sounds like the actors are, are not, not quite in the same boat yet, not by a long shot.
0: Actors are, it was, the last thing I heard about the actors, it was a lot of the same sticking points, a lot of AI, and the what I heard most recently was actors, the AMPTP actually walked away from the table, SAG countered with, they didn't want uh, residuals to be based upon viewership, they wanted the pay difference for performers, for actors, to be based on subscriber numbers, like they, they tried to pitch it a bunch of different ways but they were asking for either X number of cents per user or they were asking for X number of dollars per monthly subscription. Basically they just wanted a flat fee and uh, it came out, this was the funny part, was it came out to about 2% of what streamers were making and that was apparently the deal breaker for that moment in the negotiations and the AMPTP walked away from the table so they were asking for something different that the studios weren't quite willing to budge on this is also the interesting thing because the amptp is now trying to do the same thing that it did to the writers where they're trying to disclose oh look at these greedy selfish actors and the really interesting part about most of this and not really interesting the really probably obvious part is that literally no one's buying it like the the ability to communicate and everyone to have their voice heard at the same time. And like the studios just putting out a little bit of misinformation into some of the trades, it just does not work the way it used to. So the studios still look awful. They still look power hungry. They still look really cheap for not wanting to give performers what they rightfully deserve, especially in a very competitive industry that is notoriously underpaid. And that's the other thing too, I, I probably should hit home harder. When people hear actors strike, they think about all the people whose names they know. And essentially this strike for the writers and the actors it's about the names of the people you don't know because odds are yeah every, everyone listening to this they're all going to know names of anyone who started in community and they're going to know dan Harmon, and they're going to know chris mckenna and they're going to know a handful of writers but they're not going to know all the writers they're not going to know all the actors and basically what these strikes are for are is for those people who are still you know like a lot of us in this country working paycheck to paycheck so the fact that they are struggling to get by or the number i put out last time where 80 some percent of people wouldn't qualify for sag's health insurance because they didn't make enough in a year like that's basically what these strikes are for and that's the other part that's interesting about this is dave you got to think how many other strikes have started across the country in different industries other than well, yeah. I mean, you got
1: the like. Teamsters and the Auto mm-hmm. Unions. Yeah, this mm-hmm. has not been exclusive to Hollywood concerns by any means.
0: Hot labor summer and fall we're getting into here.
1: Yes, it is. It is fall. It doesn't feel like it. Uh, we're recording this about a week before Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, and right now in Colorado it is 85 degrees. I think it's 70 something here in LA. Yeah, it's not. It's not feeling very Halloween-y, Certainly not during the day while the sun's out, but. As it is this time of year, as always, I have been re-binging all the Community Halloween episodes, and so I am excited to get to that. Is there anything else you wanted to throw in about uh, the actor strike here?
0: Not necessarily. I think it's just you'll already see one of the ripple effects to both of these strikes, first starting with the writers and then going into the actors, was... You're seeing shuffling dates around of big movies that were going to be released. Like, Dune Part 2 was supposed to be out by Christmas. It's now been moved to next year. I think also recently announced they're pushing Deadpool 3, which was supposed to be in May of next year. But since it hasn't finished shooting, they won't be able to get it out by that release date. So, basically, if, you know, the more people that pressure the studios to actually come back to the table and work with with, SAG to get what they want, that's how you will be able to see you know, all these big name marquee things. And I also think, that's the other thing, is I think once both strikes are over and once the SAG strike is over as well, there's going to be an explosion of filming and people are going to be happy to get back to work and be able to be getting paid what they're worth. So, and then, like I said, always go back and watch uh, Dan Merle's videos on YouTube. Or he even has a, a podcast feed as well. So you can, if you'd prefer, just listening. His stuff is really well done. Much better research than me just trying to pull off pull out a couple of facts that I remember. So yeah, go check him out if you want a much more concise and better spoken view on both strikes and the conclusion of the WGA and then the ongoing SAG strike, which hopefully will not be going on that much longer.
1: Yeah. I mean, while certainly not one that's teed up for release right away, there is a very specific movie mm-hmm. um, that yeah. was announced that, had uh, that I'm very
0: interested in seeing one day actually be made. Uh, so keep my fingers also crossed there. on that. There may be more of a tie-in there depending on how and when that movie is made, but thats I think that's all we can tease about you for now. So, Yeah, so uh,
1: like I just mentioned in regards to the weather, it's about a week before Halloween as we're recording this conversation, and what I'm seeing here is that negotiations are supposed to resume tomorrow uh, on the mm. 24th. So yeah, maybe by the time this episode gets out, I'll have to, to throw out a little uh, tack-on the, segment the that the says, hey, yeah. uh, by the way... It's over. It's solved. Uh, But enjoy this conversation. Hopefully. That would be. uh, As awkward as that would be for uh, production and release, you know, I I overall think that's what we're probably rooting for. uh, Oh, of course. Best case scenario. So, that being all said, and again, I appreciate you, you know, keeping me up to speed and and letting me kind of get your perspective on this kind of stuff because, you know, it's not necessarily my wheelhouse. But I do want to get to the Halloween stuff. A couple seasons ago on the podcast, uh, we did a two-part Deening and Halloweening set of episodes where we really took a deep dive into not just the Halloween stuff, but really all of the various costumes and cosplay throughout the show, because if you, if you go throughout the entire show, there's just an enormous tre- treasure trove of of those things that have nothing to do with Halloween, right? You know, most notably the Dean, which was why he was kind of the focus of, of those two episodes when we were discussing costumes in general. But for today, I really want to focus on the Halloween costumes specifically, which, you know, is a much smaller pool from which to draw. Uh, but it's something we somehow haven't done in four seasons here, uh, and it's certainly certainly the right time. So I think I would just want to come out here swinging right off the bat. Do you have a favorite, like, a, just an overall favorite, like, main character Halloween costume? Let's keep it to the main characters right now for the for the sake of, of this award discussion.
0: I was going to say, because it's, it's already such a loaded question, and you think about how diverse all of the costumes get, like, from going, and I, I remember hearing in the commentary, like, for epidemiology, when Troy comes out in the loader from Aliens they said it looked too good. Like uh, the first pass on him being in that cardboard constructed thing, they were like, no, no, no. It needs to look like a middle schooler made this. So they had to strip it down and make it look a lot worse. And then uh, Jeff being lazy in the seven spooky and just doing a Fast and the Furious guy. is like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the best one though. It might be Troy's from Epidemiology only because that's probably my favorite Halloween episode as well. And like, and once you get into seven spooky steps, like there's so many costumes. And then I'm also a little partial to, uh, to season four to Calvin and Hobbes just because Calvin and Hobbes was such a big part of my childhood. So it's probably them. I like those, those are the ones that like jump out at me the most. So I had
1: a hard time. So uh, first of all, I was I was considering the Dean and Chang in the in the main character group, okay, okay, uh, which is something I did not not tee you up with originally. There. Uh, that being said, horror fiction really kind of threw me when it came to trying to do an apples to apples comparison because mm-hmm. in that episode, really the only person who is technically wearing a Halloween costume is Jeff. And he's one of the Fast and Furious guys. We do see Troy and Abed in the real world mm-hmm. <laughs> as Inspector Spacetime and Reggie, but as they specifically say, like they didn't dress up; they were just <laughs> like they were just wearing they were just, that. They were just hanging out. Uh, but I think there are some episodes right before or after that where we see them in the same in the same costumes, and then. Everything else from that episode is in kind of the the hypothetical the the world where the stories yeah, yeah. are being told. So mm-hmm. are they Halloween costumes? I don't. I'm willing to go either way on the call for that because this is not you know like some sort of serious. It's not like a bracket level serious discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, it, it came down to two. Um, kind of my late dark horse was the Ring Girl from Paranormal Parentage. I not only does that hit me every time when Eddie makes her kind of spooky. Mm-hmm. exorcist-crawling entrance. But there's kind of almost like a throwaway there at one point where the Dean comes in and dressed the, as the actual the ring girl that yeah. Jeff you know would go with Jeff's boxer costume. So that's kind of a two-for-one. Maybe that's cheating. The other one I had at the absolute top of my list was Abed as Batman. That's a pretty good one, too. It, because not just the costume itself, right? He is fully in character he is not just dressed up he is 100 percent committed to the role and nails it in every single way
0: and you have to think about especially for that how early that is in the show it's like and the because, seventh episode yeah so not only is that the seventh episode but then it establishes a runner that like Abed is Batman now, and then you have the whole DVD commentary plotline when they live together and he dresses up as Batman again. So like, there's there's a lot in that particular one that may be the most. I think you could probably argue that's the most consequential costume that like has a ripple effect further down for the rest of the show. So you definitely onto something there.
1: Yeah. So those are my two favorite, and then you know just to really round out all of my hedges here. If we were going to count the hypothetical ones in in the dream sequences of of Mm. horror fiction, Devil Dean would be absolutely at the top of this list for Devil
0: Dean is pretty... I was also thinking, Devil Dean's not bad, but also Devil Dean and uh, Dean Lady Gaga, I feel like you could almost occupy the same headspace with them, because I feel like they're very similar costumes. My
1: next question I've got for you is what I, what i wrote down was costume MVP, and what i meant by that was basically like which character or characters you know consistently had the best costumes for you not just like a one, not just like a one off peak mm-hmm. but you know just every time
0: It's one of those ones I kind of want, just because it's so contrary and because, again, it's a running bit and it makes me so happy, I think maybe Britta making a staunch stance against sexuality in Halloween (laughs) and her choosing to have, like, she's dressed up as a squirrel one year. What is she in season four? I can't remember what they actually called her. She's a ham. She's a ham, yeah, so she's a ham in four, and then she's the, the dragon turtle in, um, in epidemiology. Yeah. So and like, a squirrel. Yeah, just so funny that, again, the commitment to that where she was like Halloween over-sexualizing blah blah blah, and that's how it all starts off, and then Annie in the skin type. As the
1: sexy skeleton, because that's skeleton a thing. Yeah. For,
0: yeah, so I think for the MVP for that, only because it's so, that's such a gr- like great, just little window into the character of Britta, because of course that's how she would do it. And it's also the exact opposite of jeff's approach
1: Mm -hmm. and they're both consistent throughout all four episodes they're probably the two most consistent um i had britta at the top of my of my costume mvp list and then i also put trobed right because Mm -hmm. they're almost always doing a costume together um we we, we already said the inspector space time was technically not a costume but for the sake of this i'm counting it calvin and hobbes you mentioned was a great one so the only season where they don't do a team costume is season one Mm -hmm. which we already talked about where abed hits it with batman but i wanted to ask you about troy because i was re-watching that the other day who is troy dressed up as in season one intro to stats you don't know well, the, so you're, I'm always so caught up in the joke of Shirley and no one ever knowing that I'm looking at it. And at first I thought it was Michael Jackson. And then I'm like, no, it's definitely Lando, right? But then later I saw him with a microphone in his hand. And I thought maybe Lionel Richie?
0: He is, um, I think in season one, he is supposed to be Michael Jackson. But I also think like Eddie he's got a mustache, raw. though,
1: like a like a thick one.
0: Yeah, I think the, you I could also Michael make a, with uh, a thick mustache. You could also make a, a conversation for Eddie Murphy and Raw doing some of his early stuff. Okay, yeah, I could see. Yeah, all in,
1: the uh, mustache definitely tracks better with
0: with an Eddie Murphy, I think, than <laughs> Michael Jackson. Yeah, I don't know if they actually. Oh yeah, I have the community fandom wiki right in front of me, and it says Troy dressed as Eddie Murphy. So oh, yeah. wow, okay, I was 0 for three. None of my three guesses were right. I thought it was Michael Jackson too for a long time, so that you're not far off, so Well later, you know, in what is it the uh,
1: season three, it's a non Halloween episode where they have both Michael Jacksons when Abed mm-hmm, is is wrenching yep. the the actor impersonators. I wonder how those people would deal with
0: a strike. <laughs> I'm glad you well guessing
1: they're probably non union.
0: Oh yeah, most likely. <laughs> the the hiring of uh yeah i've done yeah i've done promo modeling work before as well and it was definitely a non-union gig the couple of times i've done it
1: okay so we did main character you know our, our consistency MVPs. how about the best side character costume
0: ooh starburns is julius caesar is a good off the cuff when he's trading pills, yeah, with when trading pills with pierce pills with pierce um, I'm trying because I feel like as the episodes go further on, like you only really get season one and two with like full the entire cast of actors. Because, Where there's yeah, like the whole school. Yeah, like know. three and four are much more. Because season
1: four, everyone's at Vicky's party, and they they get mm-hmm. stuck looking for peers, so they're not at the party with all of their other peers.
0: <laughs> In their own way, um, seasons three and four, you could almost call them bottle episodes because three happens either they're all having the conversation in the study room and then in that haunted, or the secluded cabin, and then four, it's all at Pierce's house. So they're both kind of bottle episodes. So then you have, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Um, Professor Slater's Robin Hood was a fun one, especially because it it had so many chances for (laughs) riffs you lost your virginity and, to Robin Hood? <laughs> no, with an attractive woman at a party. Um, but then uh, I also think Chang as the oh, and, and what Jeff calls him, the uh, the eavesdropping the, matador. The eavesdropping really, matador. A great setup for a joke. There are some really good one-liners in Intro to Statistics, but then Epidemiology is just so much fun. Like Rich is the banana. And there yeah that's that's
1: that's mine i've got i've got Shakita MG at the top of my mm-hmm. list
0: and then a pretty decent gap before tier two comes in that's fair and then um and then troy going like but it's it's this this and this the banana said so like just so you know i hate you less now yeah.
1: that's how much i hate the regular you <laughs>
0: oh so good but I don't even my, remember what my love for was. Rich as a, as a
1: Jeff Foyle is, is where, very well documented on this podcast oh I know
0: so. I, I love it too he's, I wish they would have used more of him because it's such a great Jeff Foyle, and especially like the, the culmination of that where Jeff shows up soaked at his doorstep and you think he's talking to Annie but he's talking to Rich and he wants to abuse the power <laughs> Rich has it's just so good teach me <laughs> yeah so I can abuse it you got me there guy I still okay. see him. I still see him in commercials all the time. I think his name is a uh, Greg Comer. Very, very talented actor.
1: Uh, yes, will always be rich in my heart, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. But you know, not not that uh, closes me off to any of other work by any means. For sure. Uh, so you've kind you've kind of danced around it. You almost you almost volunteered this already at one point. But you know, now we've discussed a lot of the kind of individual honors. Which of the four? episodes do you think has just just overall the best costumes from everyone?
0: It's hard to go against This is this my, is the group award, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to go against my lo- just because maybe I love the episode so much in general. I, I want to lean epidemiology anyway because there's so much going on in that episode and they accomplish an unbelievable amount in 22 minutes because I think I could probably even like, yeah because you have Troy and Abed as aliens in the loader and then Troy changing to a sexy Dracula, which may also be a really funny one-off costume, because he's just wearing a toilet seat cover. Jeff as Beckham, Britta as the Dragon Turtle, Annie. I think Annie's just, like, is she Little Red Riding Hood, or is she actually Annie from Wizard of Oz? I I thought she was Little Red Riding Hood. One of those two. And then uh, Pierce as Captain Kirk, and then Shirley, again, as the ambiguous thing, where she's Peggy Fleming and nobody can really figure it out. So i probably go with that only because I, I'm i biased. That's my favorite Halloween episode, maybe favorite episode, period. So <laughs> I'm
1: glad that you said that. It's actually Chang that's dressed up as Peggy Fleming. Surely oh, it's Glenda geez, the Good Witch, right, not Miss Peggy. But Halloween. the entire bit is that no one understands either of them. And fortunately or unfortunately, that exact thing is what ends up getting those two characters together.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yep
1: in that episode, which ends up being a bit that not only pays off so hard in uh, the last scene where Troy is listening to the voicemail that he got from Chang, (laughs) but also as a future plot point, Mm -hmm. you know, going forward kind of the rest of the season with Shirley's pregnancy and Chang's potential fatherhood, uh, all of that. Uh, For me, I, I would go into statistics. Um, oh, nice. I think I think the first one and it just nailed it. It set the bar really high. You know, it, it set the stage for for Jeff's all four costumes, Britta's all four costumes, the Shirley bit about you know not knowing who she was. Is she? You know, why is Urkel <laughs> yeah. uh, ripping off Professor yeah. Slater's <laughs> tandem, Like you yeah, already mentioned, it, yeah. the uh, eavesdropping Matador and Robin Hood uh, side party. Also, I thought were absolutely top notch there. Annie, like I said, agreeing with Britta and then being in this kind of skin tight um obviously going for some sort of sex appeal type skeleton costume mm-hmm. and we get our Batman so yeah it, it it's close they're they're all good, but yeah i would I would go with uh with intro to stats for my for my one pick if I had to take just all the costumes from from one of the Halloween episodes. So.
0: Yeah, which, which again, then you get into kind of, you almost have to exclude season three because they're not really all, and, and then they constantly change in everybody else's story. So it's a good point. You do get um,
1: some fun dichotomies with that, though. You know, like Pierce, he's the mad scientist, or mm-hmm. Magnum, you know, very, yeah. not the same character. Polar opposite characters and in a in lot in, uh, of these.
0: Troy and Abed either being fighter yeah. pilots or thugs. or Yeah, exactly. The uh, vampire werewolf. Uh, yeah, scene with, too. With, oh, with that Jeff one. So him. I still, that may be one of the things that I would probably quote the most if anyone knew what I was talking about. The wait, teach me to read. <laughs> like, <laughs> just such a ridiculous delivery, and it comes out of nowhere. But it makes me so happy.
1: But yes, Jeff, being
0: a, a learned vampire, is
1: probably his, his classiest out of all of these costumes that we've discussed here. Oh, for sure yeah always always a good time here with the community halloween episodes i mean certainly Mm -hmm. i tend to watch them when it when it is not this time of year as well but always a good excuse to to get back into them when it is here um i
0: think i think we also discussed it as far as the gas leak year i think you and i were in agreement that the halloween episode is one of the best episodes of that year definitely Yeah,
1: yeah and it it also comes right at the gate, too. I think it's the second episode.
0: Yes, I believe. Uh, where
1: the right. rest of these are, you know, more in like the five to seven kind of mid range.
0: So, well, I'm especially no, since I, that was already a shorter season, for sure. But, uh, you know,
1: Paranormal Parentage is one that, that I enjoy. Not just. I, I wouldn't say it's a good season four episode. I just think it's a good episode. I agree. Um, I, I don't hang that qualifier on it like I might potentially with some other episodes <laughs> or like some other people perhaps might but um, I think this might be our world record for efficiency here. I know the running gag is I always, um, you know, we always shoot to keep it short and almost mm-hmm. never, never are able to, but I feel like we really knocked it out today. Um, I feel really, really happy for the Writers Guild. It's really nice to see not just that there is a resolution, but also that the resolution was very much almost all of the things that, they were striking for you know and i i can only hope that you know like i said the writers or excuse me the actors um you know also reach a resolution and and hopefully can get to some similar results and hopefully we don't have to wait too much longer to get to that point because it would be really fun to instead of having to talk about the strike current events segment get back to talking about the what's actively happening with the community movie Segment right? which
0: is I mean that obviously that was a that was a concern for all of us when all these strikes started happening and then obviously everything gets put on hold while we wait for studios to wise up and be like, Oh, okay, let's just let's just give these people what they're worth, essentially. And yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you where it's almost wild to think that we're We're at around a year i think for when it was actually announced to where we are now and hopefully if if the sag strike winds up coming to a rather swift conclusion then we'll be able to have more news and then hopefully there will be some especially since you know filming projects pretty much everything has got on hold now things maybe there might it could be a blessing in disguise outside of obviously everyone being out of work for so long but specifically for community fans and fandom there is a chance that this actually helped which is a weird thing to say but I try to especially something like this I try to look at the silver linings obviously it's not good that writers and actors have been out of work for so long but since like so many things that were put on hold are going to have to be rearranged anyway there is a chance that this could be I don't want to say fast-tracked because it was already like you're already having to coordinate how many people's schedules and keeping in mind where all of the performers writers actors producers from the show where they all are in relation to how the movie is going to go but i in an ideal world this could you know help us out as far as having more news and more things being accelerated so that's that's my hope that hopefully we'll get a silver lining out of this but again we don't know
1: and that does it for this episode of apartment 303 as always You can find Apartment 303 on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you do listen, leaving a rating and review is always an effective and cost-free way for you to support our work. For Dan, this is Dave signing off. We will see you in the next episode of Apartment 303.